Holiday Room Podcast. We share our love of the holidays with you year-round. This is Beth, and I'm going to be talking about Jack Frost Part 2. This is Randy, and I will be talking about Mardi Gras traditions. This is Sydney, and I will be talking about some interesting facts about Lent. Awesome. That sounds very fun. What kind of holiday happenings do we have? Uh, The one I can think of is that we finally got our Valentine's Day decorations out, although it's really just one bin. It's kind of, in my perspective, one sad little bin of decor. In fairness, it's probably more than a lot of people do for Valentine's Day. That could be true. That That could could be be true. true. That's right. And what we do is we overlay that in areas over our winter things. So we don't take all the winter things down yet. We just basically put um, the Valentine's items in certain places and remove some of the winter things for that holiday. And then when Valentine's is over, we take those down. We may put the winter things back or we may get the the, um, St. Patrick's Day things out. So it kind of depends. What other holiday happenings? I know the stores are starting to have less Valentine's stuff. Mm-hmm. A little bit more um, St. Patrick's Day I saw in um, Michael's, which was fun. But um, there's a lot of Easter stuff, but not as much as I expected. I actually saw some Mardi Gras stuff too, which yeah. um, which I don't see a lot. I think right. that I think that's up and coming as kind of being a more yeah. flowing into the stores. More. Yeah, and which goes along with our topic for today, which is one of the topics for today, which is Mardi Gras. Oh, I didn't realize we all had to talk about it. <laughs> we do. <did. laughs> well, today I'm talking about Jack Frost again, part two. Last During the last podcast, I talked about where he came from. Yep, Castle in the Sky, friend named Snip. We all remember it. <laughs> <laughs> that was what that's you a, talked about. That's, a different that, that's thing. where, But that's where he came from, right? <laughs> that's a uh, canon. Right, right. I talked about different countries that he came from and how he was depicted. And really, it wasn't until England in the 15 or 1600s that he became known as Jack Frost, having the Jack in front of his name. So, usually, Jack Frost is depicted as having white, blue, or gray clothing on. He could be a spirited or impish elf with a playful nature or an old man. He could have magical powers to create winter. Let me guess, or not. Or not. (laughs) He could arrive in late autumn to paint the leaves. I thought that was an interesting one. Actually painting the leaves. Not just, I thought it would probably be just throwing frost on the leaves. But um, in in some places, he arrives to paint the autumn leaves, I guess, to get them ready for the frost. He could create fern like ice spirals on the windows. He could be happy go lucky. He could cause mischief intentionally or unintentionally with his ice and snow. Hmm. Clearly, there is no one depiction of who Jack Frost is. In Russia, and I thought this was very interesting, he was known as Father Frost or King Frost. He was a man who was dressed in furs. He had a sledge pulled by six white horses, and he was kind if you treated him right. But if you didn't, he was... An evil sorcerer. Not just, like, unkind. He went from being a kind old man to an evil sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Be kind. He protected you from the winter winds. Be rude. He froze you. Oh. This is Russia. So That's quite extreme. It is. There's a 1964 Russian film called Mrosko, which was dubbed and released in English as Jack Frost. Now, I have not seen that, but I thought it looked very interesting. I've seen it. Very dated, Would but Mrosko interesting. Would mean something, or is it a name? 
Morosco is King Frost. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Is Dead Moros or um, it, or Morosco or Father Frost or King Frost, but it was translated as Jack Frost. Right. So Jack it means like person, right? It's it's right. Yeah. It's like our uh, John Doe kind of yeah. thing. So did the uh, did your notes there mention his niece, Father Frost's niece? No, I don't have anything about her in my notes. Yeah, so um, I think it was during the during the Soviet Union because they shifted from Christmas because they didn't want to celebrate Christmas, but they still wanted to have the celebration, so they shifted it to New Year. They had Father Frost and also created a fun, um, kind of a sweet assistant for him, who is his niece named Snegorochka. And the first part of that, snake, means snow. For celebrations in, in Russia, you will often see sort of these cartoon characters of Father Frost and Snegorochka. And she's usually in, uh, like, winter white furs, and she's uh, got, like, two blonde braids and hopefully so is great. not an evil sorceress right. when yeah. you if make you her angry. Yeah. yeah. So during the Civil War, a political cartoon by Thomas Nast showed Jack Frost as a general on an icy horse coming from the north to clear away the malaria of the South. They had a malaria outbreak in the Civil War. And huh. they thought at this time... Oh, I thought you were... I thought that you were saying that, like, the South was malaria. No, no. <laughs> there was a malaria outbreak. And at this time, they thought that cold weather could freeze away illnesses like that. Well, isn't that interesting of them? Yes, it was. But think about it. It was, it was time appropriate. It was age appropriate. Jack Frost, as a general was based on a speech given by Major General Benjamin Butler, who stated it. So this was a political cartoon based on a speech that was given by a Major General. And I looked at the cartoon. It's very interesting. Uh, It is a very icy horse. So you'll find Jack Frost in stories, songs, poems, cartoons, novels, movies. He can appear kind, funny, villainous, good, evil... He can be whatever the creator of his character wants him to be. He's very versatile. There's no set standard. He can also just mean cold and wintry. A song that we have all heard recently about 100,000 times is the Christmas song, where it says, Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. That's so funny, yeah. Yeah, so... Didn't make that connection. Right, yeah. So it's winter. There, Jack Frost is, is winter. So he is the personification of winter. He brings cold, but also the beauty of the ice and snow. Very fun. Yeah, it's very fun. Yeah, and um, I just pulled up the, the cartoon on my phone. It's a little intimidating oh, yeah. looking. It's kind of like I get Horseman of the Apocalypse kind of vibes from <laughs> this guy holding his big ice sword. And yep. his horse is like just covered in spiked icicles. Yep. And yeah. Maybe even made of icicles. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. If horses can be made of icicles, that can. one would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that takes us kind of out of the winter season with uh, Beth's part two of Jack Frost. And with the onset of activities like Mardi Gras, Lent, um, that kind of leads into Easter. We start to think of spring and springish kind of activities. We haven't had much of a winter here temperature-wise or snow-wise, which is sad. Very sad. Um, <laughs> But Mardi Gras uh, will quickly be upon us. So Sydney actually covered uh, some aspects of Mardi Gras last year. So I wanted to summarize uh, a little bit of what Mardi Gras is. It means Fat Tuesday, 
And traditionally, it's the last day for Christians to indulge and sometimes overindulge before Lent, before Ash Wednesday, which then kicks off Lent, which Sydney's going to talk about in a little bit here. So in the United States, Mardi Gras draws millions to New Orleans, which is the most um, known place to celebrate Mardi Gras every year. But not the only one. But not the only one. But also the best one. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, yeah. So uh, Mardi Gras has been celebrated in New Orleans on a grand scale with mass balls and colorful parades since French settlers arrived in the early 1700s. So that's over 300 years we've been celebrating Mardi Gras in the United States. So some history of Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras, which is French for Fat Tuesday, has quite a few other names as well. The English used the name Shrove Tuesday, or later it was known as Pancake Day, which just seems like a reason to celebrate and eat pancakes. But But that's what it was known as. And to Germans, it was known as Fasnachtucken. I feel like you need to yell that more (laughs) angrily to get the accurate transition. Or just Fasnacht. So the name Fat Tuesday, you might be wondering, why is it called Fat Tuesday? Well, some people point to a custom in Paris where they would parade a fat ox through the streets on Shrove Tuesday. Another explanation for the name comes from the French name Mardi Gras for the custom of eating all the fats in the home before Lent. So you're basically clearing out the home of any kind of fat ahead of time. Not throwing it away, just eating it. So you're clearing (laughs) it out via stomach. That's right. Right. And, And the name Shrove Tuesday derives its name from the old practice of confessing one's sins on that day in preparation for Holy Lent. The verb to shrive means to confess oneself and receive absolution. So it's the three-day period, Sunday, Monday, and Shrove Tuesday, which is known as Shrove Tide. So really, that period, the weekend before Ash Wednesday through the Tuesday, is what people use to celebrate Mardi Gras. So although Mardi Gras is basically a Christian and really a Catholic-focused holiday, it's really a party for everyone in the United States now. From the traditions, I really wouldn't have thought it was a Christian holiday. Not that it's unchristian, but it just seems like a big kind of cultural New Orleans party. Yeah. Like, and it seems like there's a lot of alcohol yeah. associated yeah. with it. Yeah. And beads. Bacchanella. And beads. Yeah. yeah. And some inappropriate and, stuff that right. is not meant to be inappropriate, but you know, it's... Inevitably evil. ends up that way. And dressing up. Yep. So, yeah. So there's two places that we uh, usually point to when we think of the origin of Mardi Gras celebrations in the United States. One is New Orleans, and that's because back in 1699, French explorers celebrated the holiday near New Orleans on the Mississippi River. And then over the years, the celebration began to grow there with parades and parties and things like that. But there is another view, which is that Mardi Gras started actually in Mobile, Alabama, ahead of New Orleans. Um, And it actually, Mobile can point to having the first Mardi Gras carnival or parade in 1703, which was before New Orleans had their first actual parade. So they point to each other as who had the first, or they point to themselves, not the other, as to who had the first. But when you look at it, a lot of it was... The French that celebrated in Mobile went to New Orleans and vice versa, so it seemed to have developed in both places around the same time. Whatever its origin and its history, today Mardi Gras is celebrated uh, in many parts of the United States and all over the world, including places like Belgium, Brazil, the Caribbean, 
France, Germany, Guatemala, Italy, Mexico, and um, a lot of other places as well. I guess what other big cities do you well, know of? I'm glad you asked that, Cole. Because well, I listed, I found the top four cities that celebrate Mardi Gras. Oh. That's interesting. The first one is Venice, and Venice is actually one of the oldest ones to celebrate Mardi Gras. Venice is famous for its Venice Carnival, which is known for its masks. So this dates as far back as the 12th century in the northern Italian city, uh, where they have parties and performances and balls all leading up to Mardi Gras. Which is funny, because Mardi Gras is one of those things that um, when I think of, I kind of think of it, it reminds me of like a, uh, a carnival, like Venice or Brazil. That's what I compare it to, not really as a religious holiday. Right, and it is really, the Venice Carnival is really known for its masks. They have a lot of very elaborate masks. Mm -hmm. I know when we visited um, Italy, specifically in Epcot, (laughs) (laughs) they actually have a whole store of really fancy masks. Yes, which are so expensive. So very expensive. Yep. The second one I'm sure you're familiar with, which is Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and that is known as Carnival. And if New Orleans is the most famous Mardi Gras destination, then Rio de Janeiro is the biggest. Literally, an estimated 2 million people hit the streets for parades and parties every day, which includes an estimated 500,000 tourists and visitors. Wait, so are you telling me that Carnival in Brazil is Mardi Gras? Yeah, that is the celebration of Mardi Gras in Brazil. That is, that's crazy. I never would have guessed. Wait, is, Car- is the Carnival in Italy also Mardi Gras? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a different what? name. That's crazy. I never... Yes, that like is you exactly. know yeah. something. I know. <laughs> Mind blowing. Yeah, if you could see my face, you'd be just like, "That's." I Shocked. never knew that. Yeah. Yeah, I never made that connection with Brazil. No, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So in Brazil, live musicians line this the city's main streets from dawn to well past dusk, and Rio de Janeiro is known for the world famous samba parade. So the samba was actually created in Brazil, and it draws hundreds of thousands of revelers. To the Sombra Doma, which is a stadium built specifically to accommodate the parade on that weekend. So a whole stadium for the stream of Samba people parading and dancing along the way. So the third well-known place to celebrate Mardi Gras is Finch, Belgium. B-I-N-C-H-E. So like Venice... Benches Mardi Gras celebrations are famous for their mask patrons. But the interesting thing in Belgium is they all wear the same mask. So instead of like this elaborate variety of masks like in Rio de Janeiro, in Belgium they all have the same mask with the same name, Gillies. So a flock of Gillies take to the streets on the Tuesday before Lent wearing wood clogs, cartoonish masks with green eyes and curly mustaches, Striped orange and red linen costumes stuffed with straw to create the illusion of a hunchback. Okay, that has the <laughs> makings of a really, really good horror film. Yes, yeah, that yeah. would be Think good in a movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like in a like a, a action movie, somebody comes on this area and he has to find somebody in the crowd, but they're all the same. Right, they yeah, the same. like in the recent Joker movie right. with all the clowns. And the so, but it's not done yet. Oh. Later that day, the Gillies wear giant ostrich plume hats and throw oranges to and sometimes at the assembled crowds. And apparently, it's good luck to be hit with one. (laughs) Sure, sure, that's what they say. (laughs) So this uh, strange tradition dates 
as far back as the 14th century, but nobody knows why. Nobody knows why it was created and why they continue to do it. So, really, we need to go to Belgium and ask them. Yeah, I guess so. They can probably get chocolate there, too. Or, hear me out, we could go to Carnival in Brazil instead. (laughs) And see if they know. Yeah. (laughs) And then we could go to Carnival in Venice instead, (laughs) also. I like Belgium. I like the idea of going to uh, Mardi Gras. They're a Mardi Gras equivalent. Yeah, that's exactly right. Although when you're asking somebody, you might get pelted on the side of the head with an orange. So just know that. The fourth place to celebrate Mardi Gras is in Mobile, Alabama. So the annual Mardi Gras parade there is actually the first of its kind event, which I mentioned earlier, which had its first edition back in 1703. So that's another great place. So there are a few traditions that I wanted to make sure everybody was aware of at Mardi Gras. And, you know, I bet that any of the, like, major French kind of towns and cities in, like, the Louisiana Territory will also have Mardi Gras celebrations. Like, I've heard that Baton Rouge has uh, a really big Mardi Gras celebration. So, it might actually be interesting to kind of bounce around and check a bunch of them out. I bet that you could do that over a few days. We lived in Houston for many years, and they had a parade and some events, um, but it was much smaller, obviously, than these four big cities. Yeah. Right, but I bet you can find local or relatively local Mardi Gras right. celebrations, or you could create your own. And That's I'll go through true. the traditions that you could pick up yourself. So some of the important pieces of Mardi Gras include something called cruise, which I think Sydney talked briefly about last year. Um, so these are the clubs that organize the Mardi Gras festivities in a city. So it was a crew that was created, the first crew that was created in New Orleans that created the Mardi Gras celebration. And how do you... Sp- is it spelled just our way or is it C-R-U-E? It's K-R-E-W-E-S. Cruise. Okay. Wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> so it was the Mystic Crew of Comus that put together the first parade in the city with themed floats, which was a model for future parades. And that crew came into existence in 1857. So it's kind of like a secret society that you are brought into. You're not like... It's not like open membership. You have to be asked to be part of Like the Illuminati. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And if our Illuminati overlords are listening... (laughs) Please let us know. We don't know. (laughs) And this crew was the one that started the tradition of wearing masks and carrying torches, known as flambeau, to light the evening revelries. And that flambeau tradition, where you're carrying torches, um, is still a part of many celebrations around the world. The tradition of wearing masks that they brought, they actually brought from France, which came from the Italy, the Venice traditions as well. So those crews have grown in number. So these groups have grown in number, and they tend to focus on creating floats and having balls. So they kind of, you know, they kind of have their own thing going on each Mardi Gras um, along the way. So, and there are several um, groups. Five of the earliest crew clubs are Comus, Momus. Twelfth Night, Rex, and Proteus. So another important part of Mardi Gras is the colors of Mardi Gras. So the colors you think of for Mardi Gras are what? Purple, orange, green, orange, yeah. gold. Gold. So, <laughs> yeah, a couple extras there. Generally, it's purple, green, and gold, although for big celebrations, you see lots of colors. So yeah. It's quite a variety. Uh, but it's believed that the Rex organization, the group that was founded in 1872... Same one that was famous for starting the tradition of naming a parading carnival king was the one that started with the uh, use of the purple, green, and gold 
as royal colors and symbolizing justice, faith, and power, respectively. So those colors are important for your Mardi Gras celebration. Masks and costumes, we talked about a lot already. There's a lot of history with masks and costumes, both at the balls as well as at the parades. Now, the interesting thing that um, people wanted to point out in some of the articles I read was just because you participate in some public events that the crews put on, that does not give you the ability just to go to any ball you want to. <laughs> you actually have to be invited to a That's ball right. along the way. What is another major activity or tradition you think of when you think of Mardi Gras? Food. Food is a good one. Tossing of beads. Yes, that's the one I was thinking of. So throwing <laughs> beads and fake jewels. So this seems to have stemmed from the 19th century when one of the carnival kings threw fake strands of gems and rings to his, quote, loyal subjects sometime in the 1890s. And by the early 1920s, one of the crews, I think it was Rex, started regularly throwing strands of glass Czech beads, Czechless, as in Czechoslovakian Good beads. Grief. wow. A precursor to the plastic beads seen today. That could that could be much prettier and amazing and hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and all broken glass everywhere. And possibly broken teeth. <laughs> Recently, during a cleanup project, New Orleans excavated more than 45 tons of beads from its storm drains. Yes. And immediately started throwing them towards crowds. <laughs> no, I had no. no. Although I'm sure like, the cleanup crews felt like pretty salty about yeah. it. <laughs> or excited. Look at all these I got. Oh, great. And then the last one Sydney mentioned, which is food. There's a lot of different types of food at all these different cities and locations that are associated with Mardi Gras. One of the most famous is the king cakes. That's right. So a king cake is basically just a cake that has a uh, baby Jesus figure baked inside of it. Mm-hmm which is a symbol for the Epiphany, the day when the three kings brought the gifts to the baby Jesus. Now, this cake concept actually goes back a long way, but now the cake generally has the colors of Mardi Gras associated with it. So it looks like a Mardi Gras cake specifically, but it didn't always look like a Mardi Gras cake. And the idea of the the baby inside, as you're cutting the cake and serving the cake, the person who gets a piece of cake served with the baby inside of it, the little baby Jesus figure inside of it, is king for the day and is supposed to be the person to bring the cake next year. Now, that last part was added to local celebrations. That's not part of the, like, the major celebration. Whoever brought the cake that year didn't want to bring it the next year, so they just <laughs> said, and you have to bring the cake next year. So I remember that in Houston... We had a Mardi Gras cake at work at NASA, oh. and I got the baby and had to bring the cake the next year. So you have to actually bring the baby. Uh, you have to use the same baby, or you're supposed to use the same baby as the previous year. So you have to keep it somewhere yeah. and remember it's your turn next year. Which That's hilarious. Otherwise, I guess bad things will happen to you. I don't know. I remember it, so I didn't have to worry about it. Uh, there is some skeptics that believe that the precise reason behind the baby figures in the cake may be a little more down to earth or pragmatic. It is said that there was a surplus supply of French porcelain dollhouse figures in the 1940s. So a New Orleans baker decided to um, add that to the cake as a local spin. Well, that's nice with porcelain, just chomping into your cake and getting some porcelain in your mouth. That's right. So with those things, the colors and and the other um, information about the crews and the beads and things like that, it wouldn't be too hard to create your own Mardi Gras celebration leading up to Lent. That sounds like a, like a blast. I'll have to talk with friends and see about 
having a Mardi Gras party. And the nice thing about the Mardi Gras cake is that there are lots of different cakes, but you really could use any cake and just use frosting that is the color of Mardi Gras and make that your Mardi Gras cake. Yeah, and I'm sure like bakeries and stuff are used to yes. different cakes at different times of year. I know at work, some um, someone brought in uh, Mardi Gras cakes that was from a bakery. So it had all the colors and it was, um, so that was fun. And I'm sure they're used to making the king's cake too. Yeah, that, that's cake exactly cake. what it was. And the baby already inside of oh, it. Oh, I don't know if the baby was inside. I bet, I, I bet there it. are. <laughs> I yeah. bet there are. Yeah. And the baby I got was probably like an inch, and it was like a little plastic one, so it has to be able to hide inside. It can't be like a large baby. <laughs> well, yeah. that's good, yeah, yeah. Unless it's a large cake. <laughs> but then that would be a large piece. That would be a large piece. I would love to go to New Orleans. Really? During Mardi Gras. That's, that's amazing. That's that's I never so, hear anything that's about that. surprising. <laughs> Cole wants to go to Rio de Janeiro for Carnival. Uh-huh. Uh, I, would, I would love to go to... I think I'd like to go to Venice more. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'd be there with Venice. Yeah. Okay. So, after Fat Tuesday, we have Lent. So, here are some interesting facts about Lent that you may not know. So... Is it also a big party with drinking and beads? No. No, it's not. In fact, it's about giving up things that you enjoy. Well, that sounds less fun. <laughs> for some people. So, what is... Typically, the number one thing that people give up during Lent. Chocolate. That is correct. Good job. First try. Terrible thing to have to give up, so <laughs> that would make sense. I mean, some people give up soda. True. I've heard a lot of people give up, like, chips, too. Yeah, like like yeah. junk food. Like junk food, yeah. 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 Which may mean something different for our British listeners. That's true. That's right. <laughs> of course, like, on Easter, we have candy and stuff like that, so... We stuff ourselves anyways. Yeah, we have well, a, that's the end of we have a fat Sunday after yes. our lunch. <laughs> but yeah. it's kind of in between Valentine's Day, which is a very chocolate-heavy time, mm-hmm. and then Easter, which is a very chocolate-heavy time. So it's so a good time a good to time. kind of stop. Lent is 40 weekdays from Ash Wednesday to Easter, observed by the Roman Catholic, Eastern, and some Protestant churches as a period of Pentinence and fasting. Sundays aren't included in the 40-day count. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that for a really long time. I just, you know, we give something up for mm-hmm. Lent. <laughs> I mean, Surprise! it was all the time. <laughs> yeah. Not, oh, you get a cheat weekends. Yeah. But so. people, yeah, I would say the Catholic Church observes the cheat Sunday, mm-hmm. which is that you have Sunday off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you said it's the 40 weekdays. Is Saturday it's 40 weekdays from Ash Wednesday to Easter. Yeah, but that doesn't include Saturdays either. I don't think so. Right. The count doesn't include Saturdays, but you're supposed if you give something up, it's supposed to be six days a week. Mm-hmm. Sundays are off. Interesting. Yeah. When Lent started, it was only 36 days. Later, it was changed to 40 days. So why would it be changed to 40 days? The Catholic Church wants to be mean to people. <laughs> no. The number 40 is a significant number for Christians. Jesus spent 40 days in the desert. Noah had to wait 40 days for his ark to float, which I think is just a funny way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the world was being destroyed around him. Right. I just want my boat to float. <laughs> well, and, if that floats your boat. <laughs> that's where that expression came oh, from. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Noah did that. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's Noah. what he said in ancient hebrew or whatever whatever <laughs> the, the translation works still after all this time and moses along with his followers traveled through the wilderness for 40 years before reaching the promised land so catholics started the tradition of lent around the year 325 during the council of nicaea but it has spread through other christian denominations 
Lent comes from the Middle Eastern word lente, which means springtime, which I didn't realize that mm-hmm. it meant springtime. It was, I thought it had more of a different meaning, but you know. I always thought it was lint. <laughs> I didn't. But <laughs> I, I always, I always tried to pull off the, I'm giving up lint for lent. <laughs> How'd that work for you? What, to yourself? <laughs> yeah, to myself. <laughs> I was like, that counts, right? You just get to give up something arbitrarily. So Lent starts on what's known as Ash Wednesday. This is when followers spread ashes on their forehead to signal their repentance to God. The ashes come from burning last year's palms that were distributed on Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. I remember finding that out and finding that fascinating. It's like, mm-hmm. then you have to stash them somewhere and then remember that you stashed them and then burn them. Or, well, or, or burn, burn them, them and then just keep the ashes. Yeah, you oh, just that's, keep the ashes. Yeah. That's much smarter. <laughs> sure, if you but, want to go the easy way. <laughs> but then you're spreading old ashes on your forehead. Well, that might not Mixed matter. with oil. One of Lent's central components is fasting. The practice has died in recent years, but that didn't stop New Orleans from throwing a huge party called Mardi Gras. On the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, a.k.a. Fat Tuesday, people party in the streets and get fat since they should be fasting for the next 40 days. Just like that. So they can hibernate. Yes. yes. So um, it's encouraged to not eat meat from any warm-blooded animals during Lent. But you can eat fish or other cold-blooded animals. So all you people out there who are big lizard fans. I know. I'm thinking reptiles Reptiles. uh, are okay. Um, So turtle turtle soup is on the table then. Besides not eating meat... Christians also abstain themselves from certain vices. So we mentioned chocolate. Some people also do vice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is somebody feels attacked. (laughs) Um, This also says TV or video games or other pleasurable activities. Oh, I'm going to give up those for Lent. Yeah, although you have to to give up something that you actually enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, that's not like something that I do. Super healthy, like and like we don't suggest giving up going to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) or running. Yeah. So you're telling me that if I don't watch TV and play video games, I can't just give up those things? Correct. All right. Okay. Because <laughs> you haven't given them up. You don't what, do them anyways. What if I need everything in my life right now? <laughs> then don't give anything up. This is a choice is between voluntary. you I'm, I'm giving God. up negative energy. <laughs> nice. I'm cutting negativity out of my life for 40 days. Oh. For 36 days, because I'm not going to listen to the Catholic Church. Violet is the official color of Lent. As it represents mourning for Jesus dying on the cross while also celebrating his resurrection with the colors of royalty. Lent doesn't actually end on Easter. It ends on Good Thursday, the day Jesus has the Last Supper. Good Friday is when Jesus dies on the cross and on Easter Sunday he rises from the grave. And Good Thursday is also called Monday Thursday. Right. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Or Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm. Holy Thursday. It's not a Batman. An old Batman I was thing. That, too. that sounds like Batman or Robin. Holy Thursday. Holy Thursday, Batman. This is also a time for followers to give to charities. The That's date true. for Easter has been set for thousands of years. It all has to do with the full moon of the Faisal or Passover full moon. Easter will fall between March 22nd and April 25th. There are mathematical formulas you can use to determine when Easter will fall in any year. And Dad is now looking that up. I was going to say, <laughs> or you can look on the internet. Somebody else has already done that. Right. 
It doesn't actually give me the formulas here, so... Um, Based on the formulas in my head, it looks like Easter will be on April 12th. Oh, that, that, that's well, your, your head is looking at your phone right yeah, now. They're, so head, they're so. in your head. Yeah. The, uh, the end knowledge is in your head now. Because we know the date for every Easter from now until the end of time, we also know the date that Lent starts. Just count 46 days, include Sundays, or 40 days, excluding Sundays, from Easter, and then you will know when Ash Wednesday is. Oh, so they're saying it differently than I said. They're saying that 40 days is uh, Monday through s- Saturday. Yes. Not, not just Monday through Friday. Right. Okay. They're just know. excluding Sundays. Gotcha. Yeah. So you said that we know the date from uh, of easter from now until the end of time yeah so when is that well i the don't know <laughs> you'll have to look at those mathematical formulas that they mentioned yeah but don't, I don't think it's saying that it's predicting <laughs> it's the predict- they know it's from just- now until the end of time yeah. at one at some point in 3251 there will not be an easter anymore or 2020 we don't know that's true all right last yeah. fact in a study done in 2014 72% of adults knew what Lent was, and 88% of those participating in Lent were giving up some item of food for 40 days. And like we said, chocolate was the number one food most people were willing to give up during Lent. It was a funny way to put it. Most people were willing to give up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus like, I don't know, like, unwilling? Like, yeah. Right? Like <laughs> people weren't willing to give up chicken or something right, like right. that. Right. And like we mentioned before, like, it, it is all voluntary, you shouldn't ever be forced into this. I remember as a kid, like, it was even voluntary. And um, I remember giving up maybe some food items or something. It was voluntary, but there was some pressure when you were a kid. <laughs> I remember the coins that we would collect. Because you would also yeah. collect the quarters. And yeah. so many quarters for so many days. And we had little colorful yeah. pouches. Yeah, and it was supposed to represent, and, you know, you gave those to charity or the church or yeah. uh, whatever. But it was supposed to represent 30 pieces of silver. Right. Which is what um, right. Judas Jesus' follower, betrayed. Judas, betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. yeah. And our church at the time had made, they always used to make little fabric bags. The, mm-hmm. lady, the older ladies of the church would actually make fabric bags. Mm-hmm. And we would always go and each of us would choose which one we wanted. They're all variety of fabrics. Yeah, and they then, were so colorful. I remember like yeah. um, just searching through them for like the perfect one that I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'd bring fun. them back. Yeah. But, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, so that's some facts about Lent. Maybe you um, heard something that you didn't know before. Yes, and um, if you have more questions about Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, a lot of churches will have an Ash Wednesday service, so um, you could consider. And they're usually pretty short, um, pretty to the point, so um, you could look up that as well to see if that's something you're interested in, in attending. And I did notice last night, uh, I forgot this earlier, that there was a full moon, and I was asking Beth if she remembered what the full moon in February was called. And I just looked it up. It's the full snow moon because the heaviest snows are often in February. And I thought to myself, Bring it I on. hope that's true. <laughs> it's also known as the hunger moon sometimes. So we just had that hmm. full moon. Our future festivities are for the week of February 24th. February 24th is tortilla chip day. February 25th is... Mardi Gras, or Fat Tuesday, or Shrove Tuesday, or Pancake Day. <laughs> February 26th is Ash Wednesday. February 27th is National Toast Day. So I guess maybe you're just eating toast from, from the rest of these days forward. February 28th, National Tooth Fairy Day. 
So we actually did an episode on the Tooth Fairy last year that you could listen to. February 29th. What's February 29th? Leap Day. That's right. This is a leap year, so we have a leap day this year. Happy birthday to all you leapers out there. And then March 1st is National Peanut Butter Lovers Day. Oh, peanut butter. I love it. Sydney, <laughs> already. Right right <laughs> you can follow us on social media on Twitter. You can find you can find us at holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, we are at holiday moons, one word. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group by searching holiday moons in the search bar. And you can contact us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Cole, Beth, Randy, and Sydney, happy Mardi Gras!